Hi, everyone. This is Catherine Adams and Elizabeth Wallace, and you're listening to Binary System Podcast number 279. And tonight we're recapping Welcome to Night Vale number 192, It Doesn't Hold Up. And I didn't know what to expect from this episode because the description said sometimes old classic movies don't hold up, and they sent the Jessica Hayworth's picture for the episode, which looked like an old TV set filled with leaves. Yeah, so, which... I yeah, there was actually a forest with leaves involved in the story, but not in such a way that the picture would have given away what happened. And I'm still not entirely yeah. sure what happened. Yeah, all we know is that, and this is probably going to be a pretty quick recap, Cecil wanted to watch a classic movie, Cat Baloo, where um, Lee Marvin apparently played all of the roles, but he's watching it as it came on TV, and he's like, I don't understand. I mean, Jane Fonda's in it. It's really weird. She plays the main character. It's I don't remember this from the first time, and I actually like surreptitiously looked the movie up because I've never seen it, and I'm like, yeah, Jane Fonda's in it, Lee Marvin's in it, uh, Nat King Cole's in it. Um, sounds, I mean, did they talk about this movie on Best Pick Podcast? Um, I don't know that I recognize that uh, storyline. Cat Baloo sounds like something that could have been something I remembered and also could have been something that they just made the heck up for Night Vale. So I don't know. Yeah, but yeah. the thing that Cecil started noticing as he's watching and, you know, he's watching it with Carlos, but Carlos falls asleep when watching the movie, which he says sure. is equal parts annoying and really adorable, which fair. Yes. Um, but he starts noticing that in the background of every scene, there's a man's face just kind of staring forward and he tries to Mm -hmm. tell Carlos about it and Carlos is like if you pay attention to the extras for all Hollywood movies you're basically going to catch somebody doing something weird at some point so he's not really impressed but it's kind of creeping Cecil out of it yeah, yep, yep, yep. In the meantime, we um, break away where Cecil talks about today's sponsor. And today's episode is brought to you by the concept of stasis. Stay still. Every movement basically destroys the universe. So just hold very still. Stasis. Don't do it. And I'm like, <laughs> the entire commercial was just for that last line. Just for that last punchline there. We yep, also yep, had yep. a quick interview with Dame Helen Mirren, which Cecil mm. is obviously starstruck struck by her. So he starts interviewing her about the new book she has coming out. But of course, Dame Helen Mirren doesn't speak English. She speaks, and let me see if I wrote this down there, uh, the birds in a Colombian rainforest is the language that mm-hmm. she speaks, which he said, if you've studied any languages in elementary school, you can probably understand what she's saying here. So he asked her a question, she starts responding, and yeah, it's just the sound of bird noises, and it goes on for a long time. Yeah, I was wondering exactly, and it was actually, despite the fact that the bird noises were all very kind of loud and raucous and everything... It's actually really relaxing. I was sort of enjoying listening to it. It's very nice. But Cecil had to cut her off because his like little indicator light on his soundboard starts blinking orange when he starts getting close to the end of a segment, and it'll go faster and faster and faster until it looks like a solid orange glow, and he's never actually tested it to see what happens after that. So he cuts her off really fast and then signs off and then says, please leave. 
you've done enough. So now I have to wonder, what the hell was she saying in all of that? I have no idea. He didn't seem upset when she got stopped talking, but um, I don't know. Anyway, um, we hear a little bit more about the movie. Apparently there's a B storyline in the movie about a ghost. He thinks it's definitely, this movie is completely different from the way he remembers it. And Carlos is no help because Carlos has fallen asleep. But. And all of this is just adding to the strange feeling that I get from this because I've had so many dreams where I try to read a book that I remember reading a bunch of times or I try to watch a TV show or a movie that I'm really fond of and it's completely different and it's just wildly yeah. disappointing every time to be watching this going, this isn't anything like what I remembered. Yeah, I remember the first time I had one of those dreams. Remember that TV show we used to watch, ISIS? Oh yeah. Yeah, wow, well, if that show couldn't be shown today, could it? It's a different meaning of the word. Um, we loved that show and we had like little girl crushes on the actress who played the main character and everything and I remember having a dream where we got to meet her. She didn't look anything, I mean it was like a completely different person but we were supposed to believe that it was her and I was like little kid voice, this is bullshit. This is bullshit. um, (laughs) So we break away from his description of the movie briefly to talk about Joel Eisenberg who's a dinosaur expert at the store. Um, Joel Eisenberg has had a reoccurrence of throat spiders. And yeah, I think throat spiders were mentioned uh, in the that was the live show, what was it, The Cube or The the Condo? Condos, I remember that. That's right. And it was That's because right. they had just switched to the current actor for Carlos. And Carlos yep. had to explain that scientists get their voice boxes switched at every few years because otherwise, throat spiders. And Cecil's like, oh, yeah, sure. So, yeah, but this is the first time that we're really hearing what it's like. And apparently the throat spiders are eating his esophagus and mm-hmm. they're speaking in his voice, but they don't have the mind behind the voice so people are just watching Eisenberg wandering around muttering things just really creepy but luckily they have a really good doctor in town who was able to perform let me see if I can pronounce this right an arachnidectomy and they got rid of the throat spiders <laughs> and replaced some of his esophagus with his intestines ew and um, he's uh, expected to make a full recovery so yay <laughs> yeah yeah so anyway back to the movie um, Cecil is He's watching this movie, and he's kind of getting the feeling about the movie The Ring. And he said, you know that movie where you watch a videotape, and then you die eventually of something basically like any other human being in history? It's kind of a boring movie where you just watch people living out their lives. And I'm like, that would be weird and creepy in a completely different way from the way The Ring is actually weird and creepy. It's true. It's very true. Yeah. Uh, we break away again to have a brief talk about sports in Night Vale. It's the Night Vale Scorpions versus the Red Mesa Ant Carpenters. Um, there's something about valedictorians and speeches and everything. And then there's something about, I think the Night Vale coach wants to bring bears on the team because there's nothing in the rules about bears not being able to play football. And I went, yeah, that's all that's fine. Yeah, yeah. And the opposing side, the opposing coach said, absolutely, there is a rule about bears not being able to play football. But when asked for the rule, he just like coughed up part of a burrito into his cup or something and laughed hysterically. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah I'm, I, I'm sure you liked that a lot, that bit there. Yeah, that was great. Thanks, Nightvale. At least we didn't have sound <laughs> effects. That was fine. Yeah, back to the movie. Um, the character they keep seeing over and over again in the movie actually walks past Jane Fonda basically ruining this particular shot and he's walking right towards the screen and his lips are moving but you can't he's not really saying anything and I don't 
Cecil's just really, really perplexed about what's going on. But before he can say anything else, he realizes that that red light is flashing faster and faster. He's like, oh, let's go to the weather. And we go to the weather. And the weather was fine. The weather was uh, very bouncy. It's one of those things that you find yourself humming afterwards. I thought it sounded like a, I have a note here, like light indie rock, maybe folk, maybe something 1980s. I don't know. It was called Pocket Scheme by Brooke Pridemore. It was nice. Yeah, I liked the refrain for some reason. Uh, somewhere in the middle of a pocket scheme, my mind is blank, my hands are clean. Mm. I've been listening to a lot of episodes of Swindled recently. That almost sounds like it would fit in there. Somewhere. Yeah, it would, actually. Yeah, yeah. Uh, come back from the weather, and Cecil just realized he's probably been watching the director's cut of this movie. Well, that would explain it. The director's cut mm-hmm. is usually completely different, as far as I'm concerned, from the main one. Yeah, but this is really different. Gets towards the end, and the man that he keeps seeing over and over again is walking through the woods for a really long time. Yeah, he said, it's really weird how the last 20 minutes of the movie are an unbroken tracking shot of the man just walking through the woods somewhere. Yeah, yeah. Until he finally gets this one tree, and he starts digging, and he uncovers a body. And it starts moving, like a hand reaches out, and then a head shows up, and Cecil's looking at this, and and he thinks... He can't see who it is, but he says, I think I know who it is. I know. And he says that a bunch of times. I know. Yeah. I know. And then cut to black and the movie's over. Yep, 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 yep. And then he wakes Carlos up and he's trying to tell Carlos about it. And at first, Carlos is just like, you know, it's just sometimes when you haven't watched a movie in a long time, it's just not going to hold up. It's not going to be the way that you remember it. But Cecil is not having any of that because he's pretty sure he knows who the guy in the movie is that he's been seeing. And Carlos is like, what, the the man who'd been there the whole thing or the body that he uncovered? And Cecil's like, both. Yeah. Same, same person. And Cecil thinks it was his dad. And Carlos said, I don't think I've ever heard you mention your father before. And Cecil says, I don't think I have either. Yeah. And all the listeners are going, no, we don't think you have either. I mean, he's mentioned (laughs) his mom a bunch of times, but I don't think, has he ever mentioned his father even once in this entire show? I don't think so. I'm not sure that he has. I mean, Mm -hmm. listeners, comment if you know differently. But yeah, this Mm -hmm. is kind of different. It just led to Cecil and Carlos apparently said, huh, huh back and forth a bunch of times and then they put away the blanket they'd been snuggling under and got the dishes washed and checked on their kid Esteban and then went to bed and that was it yeah yeah Cecil had a dream about his dad I guess and I guess woke up before he could actually hear anything that he was saying and then that was the end I'm like well I'm assuming we're going to hear more about this later yeah and there was of course all the interesting little Night Vale weirdness like Cecil keeps talking about the bad sound quality on the movie and it says you can't hear anything over the sounds of owls hissing but then he elaborates a little later and says it's that owl sound you know the sound they make that kind of hydraulic noise of a car being raised at a repair shop and then at the the end yeah. of the episode he talks about maybe talking to his dad at some point or dreaming about talking to his dad and he would love to ask him about the owls i don't think they're supposed to sound like that I'm like yeah. <laughs> and that's of course a very that's a very twin peaks kind of thing with the owls yeah. sign of this you know the owls know more than they seem or the, the owls are more than they seem so there is something yeah. inherently creepy about owls i remember we rented a, a cabin in um, a park in virginia 
Virginia one time, and there was one of those owls hooting like very close to our uh, where our cabin was. Creep me the hell out the entire time because yeah. you're not used to yeah. hearing that when it's not a sound effect on a movie or a TV show. To actually hear that outside yeah. is kind of terrifying, and I don't know why. We've had there's an owl that's been hanging out. I forget what kind. I even looked it up. I managed to find it. But it was hanging out in the tree outside my apartment, and it was this, I don't know, this low hooting sound, but it actually, honest to God, did almost sound like someone crying for a while. It took me a bit to realize that it was an owl. That's weird. (laughs) And that was it. It was the end of the episode. That was the end of it. So I guess now, nothing for it but to move on to the weekly sit rep. Oh, heck. Well, I've got froth all over my scanner here. So, uh, I've got the last of my Limetown and a little of the last of my tequila. So having another lagerita. How about you? I have Stone IPA, the usual. Mm-hmm. Yes, it's good uh, comfort beer at this point, I'm sure. It really kind of is. But So the sit rep, much the same. Things are just, I mean, apparently Dallas, Texas has run out of ICU units for children because there are so many children who are sick with COVID. I mean, I'm, I'm, my heart is going out. I'm trying not to say something like my thoughts and prayers. No, 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 no. My heart's going out to friends of mine who have kids who aren't old enough to get vaccinated because it's just, I mean, the rest of us are kind of walking around like, well, this is pretty bad, but I've been vaccinated. So even if I get sick, I'm pretty confident that I'll be able to beat it. But I mean, if you've got kids who haven't been vaccinated, kids are ending up in the hospital and dying from this shit. Yeah. And I I feel bad for anybody who's got kids that are immunocompromised. I feel bad for anybody that has some kind of a condition that would normally involve being hospitalized because there's no room in the hospital. I mean, news articles talking about some dude that got shot six times in the back and it he survived but he needs surgery to put his shoulder back together but he can't have it because all the ICU beds and all of the doctors are not doing any surgery other than stuff that's absolutely necessary to save your life so this is bad guys and once again most of the people that are being hospitalized for COVID are unvaccinated it's crucial at this point it's kind of hard to argue with. Although, I mean, I was talking with uh, some people about this early on today. It is kind of hard to argue with people about this because you can tell them about all the numbers and they'll say the numbers are faked. And they'll counter with something like there's 40,000 people who have died from the vaccine, which, of course, isn't true because we would have heard about that. But you say that and they say, well, the media's covering it up. That's the whole reason why I can't have a discussion with anybody like, you know, one of our extended family members who believe that Antifa was responsible for the January 6th, you know, incursion. Um, Yeah, every everything on my side to shore up my argument was from like journalists or you know various media and whatever and she's she doesn't believe it's true she believes they're making things up and where she's giving me stuff and I'm just like some really sketch video on Facebook that had already been flagged as not being true anyway but even without the flag I'm like this is clearly not shoring up your argument but yeah, it's how can you have a discussion when I'm sitting here going, well, your sources are clearly fake. And she's like, well, your sources are clearly fake. So it's, what are you going to do? Yeah. <sighs> yeah, and we just got past the whole thing about August 13th is when, you know, Trump was going to be reinstated as president. And we've, we've passed the date. And now half the people are saying there's a new date. And the other half are saying that they never said August 13th to begin with. So who the hell knows at this who point? Who the hell knows? I just have my, more beer, I think. We've, 
Yeah. Honestly, that's not new. You think about all the doomsday cults. Like, I remember in 2000, uh, it was 2011 was a big one, right? Um, uh, Harold Camping. I was following that one pretty closely because that one was yeah. just, that was more pervasive than any that I remember when we were growing up. Because this dude had convinced his followers to use up their life savings to buy advertising to tell more people that the world was going to end. And then when it didn't happen, he recalculated and said that what happened was that it was a spiritual apocalypse and that the physical apocalypse would happen later. And all of us were like, the apocalypse happened, but it was an invisible apocalypse. But (laughs) people kept believing it. I mean, and the idea that this is the date that the world's going to end. It didn't happen? Well, this is the date. And you're just like, wait, you're still going to do the whole, well, how about this date? How about this one? People do... I just, I keep remembering, I think it was, well, I know he's kind of persona non grata, but Harlan Ellison, like his his phrase was falling for the okey-doke, and that was what he used for people to just blithely walked into one more lie from people just yeah. so they could have something hard and fast to believe in. Honestly, yeah, like like you said, Harlan Ellison is not, I mean, he certainly was no saint, but he, he had uh, some worse foibles um, I don't know. It's it's hard to it's hard to talk about him sometimes because I really liked a lot of his writing, and then you find out that he obviously we knew he was a jerk, but he may have been even worse of a jerk than we thought. But I'm I'm sort of I'm not sort of glad. I am glad that he's not around to see the state of the world right now because this bit with the vaccine and the pandemic and the election and everything, he would have had a stroke. He, he would have, have just yeah. lost his friggin' mind, so I am glad that he's not around to see any of this. Yeah, yeah, that's very disappointing, and I say once again, I've heard people argue that the government shouldn't be in the business of having welfare for people or food stamps because charity is the responsibility of the church, and American citizens will always do what's necessary to take care of other American citizens when they need help. I am no longer, if I was ever convinced of that before, I am not convinced of that now, because No, no. You know, that, that phrase, I'll take a bullet for my country. You won't even wear a mask for your child. So no. it's, yeah. yeah, you ask them to do something incredibly easy, but no, it's not happening. And now the vaccine is happening and I'm losing faith in humanity. But oh, God. I mean, that's from the moment they started saying, wear a mask, not for yourself, but wear a mask to protect other people. From the instant I heard that, I was like, it's not going to work. You mm-hmm. know? I just don't think, I don't know. It's just, and if that's not going to convince people, you can't convince them to do it for themselves and you can't convince them to do it for somebody else and talk to Leland and his comic book shop and apparently one of his regulars walked into the store because they were requiring everybody to wear a mask. Mm -hmm. This guy actually had a mask that's printed with the words, this doesn't work. (laughs) Leland's like, I will never bend over backwards to help that guy ever again. And I'm like, hey, man, that's a good reason right there. You know, if you can't wear a mask to protect yourself, can't wear it to protect somebody else, wear it because the place where you do business, they might not want to help you anymore. You know, it's like leaving a tip. You, do you have to leave a tip? No. But if you don't leave a tip, you may get your food thrown at you the next time you come in. So <laughs> I remember oh, mom God. saying that in those exact same words. When we were that's exactly if what a she tip, said. If a tip was mandatory and she's like, no, but they probably throw their food at you the next time if you don't so yeah, yeah that's oh. which is a really good reason you know it's like if you can't do it to be nice to somebody else do it so they don't be mean to you the next time so well I th- anyway i oh, think God. some of the mandates that are coming across may do more 
to get people to vaccinate or to at least wear masks or something. Um, as of time of this recording, Nathan and I will be going to a Dead & Company show in Raleigh tomorrow. And just a few days ago, they made an announcement that anyone who attended was either going to have to have a vaccine card or they were going to have a negative COVID test that had been taken Ooh. within 48 hours. And I oh, think wow. there are people that are going to be mad. And a few people were asking, are they going to give refunds? No, apparently they're not going to give refunds. So (laughs) you're going to have to toe the line if you want to go to some. And I think that's a lot of venues are doing the same thing because now we've got vaccines, people, and they're free. So take them, have a card. Don't do not get a counterfeit vaccine card, please. For the love of God, do not take this that far. Yeah. I'm hearing more and more about like various businesses or, you know, telling their employees get a vaccine or get fired. I mean, can you imagine being a business of any kind whatsoever and you're ground zero for a super spreader event? You know, it gets tracked back to you. You probably won't recover, you know? So it's like at this point, I mean, everybody's screaming about my freedoms and everything. Well, well, if you're a private business, you can kind of say what you want. So there you go. But anyway, <laughs> anyway, we could go on and on and on and on about this, but we don't really have a lot else to talk about because Beastars is all done up until whenever season three comes in, which will probably be a long time. And we still won't have another Laura Olympus for another couple weeks. Another couple weeks. Oh, my God. Ugh. But oh, I but I will say one thing that we do have is that I happen to randomly spot that the Tom Hiddleston Tilda Swinton movie, Only Lovers Left Alive, is on uh, Amazon, free for anyone who has Prime. So yeah, I'm I'm partway through that. I'm just enjoying it. Nothing happens in that movie, but it is just so, no. so atmospheric. I mean, and I yeah. remember seeing that with Megan and Jennifer, and I'm not sure if they agreed with me, but I said it felt like the director had made this movie as a reliquary for the city of Detroit because all of these nighttime shots of all this, what do they call it? Ruin porn or collapse porn, yeah. something like that. All the yeah, empty yeah. buildings yeah. with the broken glasses. And it's weirdly beautiful. And the soundtrack it's is just, just so, just, just evocative of something, but I can't put it into words. And of course, Tilda yeah. Swinton and Tom Hiddleston are all kinds of nice to look at. Oh, so nice. And the little rituals, like you wear gloves all the time until you go into someone else's house, and then you hold up your hands and you say, may I? And, and he takes her gloves off for her, and it's just all so sexy and wonderful. And, uh, and there, it's just... And there are a couple of bits that hint at a wider story, like when... Eve finds the bullet that Adam had made mm-hmm. with wood so that it would be fatal to a vampire, even though they never actually say vampires, I don't think. They the never say vampires, not even once. But nope. he comes home and she holds it up to him and she says, please just tell me you're having trouble with one of the others. Just tell me that. And he looks at her and mm-hmm. says, I don't see the others ever. So yeah. more, more vampires around. Um, and then when they have to flee his house because Ava has killed his uh, supplier and mm-hmm. it'll possibly get traced back to him. And Eve is on the phone talking with the airline to make a flight back to Tangier. Tangier, I think, is where she lives. And so. she's looking for it has to be a nighttime flight. And they were asking her where the, a good connector flight would be. And she says, London. And Adam just kind of glares at her. And she says, no, London won't work. You're wondering, what? What? Is there a story there, too? Yes, I want to have more of these stories. But I just, I haven't, I guess he's 
I mean, I don't think it really needs a sequel. It was really nice the way it ended. It's just that I I want more of the story. But here's the thing. How did I not know that the director who directed that movie also directed the Johnny Depp movie Dead Man? Oh, you didn't know that. Oh, my. No, yeah. I knew no. that when they mentioned that that was who was directing it. I'm like... This will be odd. Whatever you can yeah. say about it, it's going to be odd. I love, oh man, Dead Man. What a beautiful soundtrack. I, I mean, sure you buy the is. soundtrack for it, it's great. Though it irritates me that on the soundtrack, the main theme that comes in at the very beginning of the movie with like, I think you have a whole long scene on the train and the people shooting the buffalo out there before you actually get kind of like the main theme coming in under the title that particular version of the song is not on the soundtrack, and I don't know why. It's no. very irritating, because it's my favorite. Yeah, it is. I mean, I knew I was going to like that when you were showing it to Nathan and me, when you get to the credits, and it shows Dead Man, and it's all spilled out in bones, and then you hear that guitar chord kick in, and the credits just kind of oh. explode outward in slow motion. Just really compelling for some reason. Oh, yeah. Yeah, but so irritating that's not on the soundtrack. However, the soundtrack is brilliant. It's, uh, Neil Young, I believe, mm-hmm. all of yep. it. And it's and just, oh, the movies, nice. It's another movie where long stretches of time go along without a whole lot happening, other than the main yeah. character wandering through the woods and that soundtrack following him along. And, just, and of course, oh, man. it's yeah. got Lance Henriksen, who I will always have time for. Ever since the yes. Millennium TV show, I have liked seeing Lance Henriksen pop up in things. Oh, man. And then that weird scene that I still love... It's just with all the people eating beans around the fire, like Billy Bob Thornton's Billy in there. Billy Bob Thornton and talking about Philistines. And then the the one guy who's obviously in a dress and it's just not addressed and everything. I mean, it's just, it's a crazy scene. And I love it every time. And I love, what is it? It's Nobody is yep. his name. Yep. And I forget who plays him, but it, that's such a brilliant character. It's yeah. really great. And such an odd ending. That's It's mm. like not a happy ending, but it's kind of satisfying the way it ends yeah 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 you know it's done when you get to the end like, <laughs> you really do it's, it's done you can't go any further with this one it's all done nope so that's interesting that we started with the talk about only lovers left alive and ended up with dead man and then last night i just randomly i was scrolling through trying to find a movie that i could just have on in the background and i rewatched the usual suspects for probably the first time in like Five, six, seven, eight years. I have so, not uh, seen that since the first time I watched it with Nathan. Does it? Does it hold up? It holds up. I thought it was great. I think it's got a different pacing than a movie that you would have today. I really feel like movies today are paced faster with more cuts a little bit, but it's still it's very compelling and it's. Despite everything we know about Kevin Spacey, it's weird to watch him on screen, but he is awfully good in it. So that's, that's something. Well, that's always been the most disappointing thing to me about the Kevin Spacey thing. I mean, that he would act and victimize people and be a good actor. And a lot of oh. people have now gotten this idea with creative types, especially, I'm sorry, male creative types, that they can be awful in the service of their craft. And it's like, it's a sort of yeah. thing like, well, yeah, he's awful, but you have to expect that from a genius so no uh, you really no, don't no, no, but no, no, now what was really the other don't. movie no. that you said that you wanted to watch or that you had heard good things about witness for the prosecution i think that's what it is because it was it was it came up because of course after watching the usual suspects i went straight to imdb trivia to look up all that kind of stuff and it had been listed as in some list of movies that have a great twist, which, by the way, I never saw The Usual Suspects until at least five years after it came out, maybe longer. 
and nobody had spoiled the twist. And that isn't that amazing? I, isn't I that just, wonderful when that happens? Oh man! And the thing is, sometimes I wonder. I I watched the movie and I loved it, but sometimes I wonder if the reason why I love it so much is I'm remembering that feeling of getting kicked in the teeth with the twist mm-hmm. and being like, "Oh man, here it comes!" You know. <laughs> But yeah, the other witness for the prosecution, which is 1957, I guess, I think, so was listed as having a really excellent twist, too. Now, I know Nathan's watched it. Have you watched it? I do not remember if I have or not. I haven't checked okay. IMDb right. yet. I, I really want to have another watch party, because we haven't had one since yeah. we watched uh, Death Becomes Her. No. And I think we need... And I like watching the older yeah. movies that we've kind of let pass us by because I think, oh, it's 1950s. It's you know not really going to be applicable to me. A lot of them are just worth seeing. I mean, better than a lot yeah. of stuff that you're going to see nowadays just because they were focusing more yeah. on character and plot and story rather than effects and CGI. Oh, God, right. I sound like one of those young people today with their movies and their effects oh. and the music <laughs> and the hair. But I... St- still have this idea that sometimes that a movie that was made before I was born is not going to reach me. And yet, I mean, we watched Singing in the Rain, and that was very fun. Silly in places, but very fun. And, and we watched The Public Enemy with James Cagney, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. which that movie was ten times darker than I thought it was going to get. I had no idea. I mean, that ending of that movie, I'm like, whoa, whoa they went there. Yeah, oh, my God. It ended yeah. with a corpse. <laughs> oh, my God. So, yeah, we need to watch more older movies, and that would be like, it's sometimes hard to find a movie that we think mom and dad would like. I mean, there's a lot of stuff that you, me, and Nathan and Hannah will all like. But to get something that would include mom and dad, I'm like, hey, a 1957 movie. I don't want to age them and say they only like black and white movies or something. But I'm fairly certain we would all enjoy that one together. Well, you've never seen Breakfast at Tiffany's, have you? I never have, and I really should. I yeah. think Audrey Hepburn is just so delightful. I mean, the when she's talking and being a quirky character and the expressions that she has is just also delightful. Now, you have to, like, grit your teeth past the Mickey Rooney scenes where he's playing Mm. someone who's Japanese, and they have literally painted his face darker and given him big teeth, and it's really embarrassing. And apparently a really famous makeup artist did that work for him, and a lot of people are just wondering, but why? Why that particular choice? I mean, it doesn't add anything to the movie, but the rest of the movie is so fun, and you just have to accept that it's not going to match the original novella at all, but it's just worth it for um, Audrey Hepburn. And I've never read the novella either, so that'd be good. It'd be better for me to see the movie first, and then I read the novella. Yes, you know, I think that's the way to do it. I usually like what I see or read first. You know, either if I see the book first, I tend to like the book better. So, yeah, that's yeah, safer that way. Which is funny because you were talking about you know making someone look Japanese and everything. I feel like I really need to read the book Cloud Atlas because I saw the movie and I thought it was weird. Um, it was almost good. Was the way I described <laughs> oh, it. That's an interesting compliment. It was almost good. It was almost good. There was a lot of things to recommend it, but it just didn't quite make it. But one of the things they did, I mean, you had the same actors playing different characters throughout time, and in one of the versions of time, they're all Asian. So all of these white <laughs> actors have been made, and the term in some of the reviews, yellow face, was brought up, which is not good. Nope. Um, so I'd, I'd like to read the book because I have a feeling that I would probably like the book better. Yeah, yeah, possibly. But I guess that's going to wrap us up for the week, so make sure to check out PixelatedGeek.com for all the book reviews, the movie reviews, the comic book reviews, the photo galleries. Speaking of movie reviews, Hugh, our current movie reviewer, he is just going to town with the reviews. He did uh, a review of the movie Free Guy with Ryan Reynolds. Which looks he so delightful. He enjoyed it. 
Yeah, and he really said it was just like very good-hearted and geeky and fun. It does go into a lot of kind of gaming tropes, so I don't know how much, because like Grand Theft Auto, apparently there's a lot of tropes that are pulled from Grand Theft Auto for this movie. A game that I have never played. What about you? Um, I think I watched Chad play it years ago. And just for the... Okay. Is that the one where you get extra points if you um, squash pedestrians? I kind of think so, yeah. I don't yeah, think they're giving yeah. extra points for helping people go across the street. No, so, I don't think know, so, no. No. But he really enjoyed it, so definitely check that out. All of that and more. Pixelatedgeek.com. So, <sighs> we won't have a Nightville episode next week. We won't have a Laura Olympus episode next week. We won't have have a B-Stars episode next week. I'm so sad. Oh, my God. What will we talk about? Maybe we need to do another fan art gallery. Ooh, fan art galleries are always good. Maybe we can do another B-Stars one. I've been seeing a lot of Loki fan art lately. I know we already did a Loki fan art gallery, but I have been finding some new ones lately. Yeah, and I think with B-Stars, I'll feel a little safer looking for fan art now that I know that it won't spoil me for the ending anymore. That's exactly right. That's always the case. You don't want to go looking around for that, being like, oh, great, I just blundered into a spoiler because I'm dumb. (laughs) And I only have myself to blame. Mm -hmm. But... I'm sure we'll figure out something. So one way or the other, we will talk to everybody in one week. Talk to y'all later. anything away sorry but not in a way that god i do not know where i was planning on going with that sentence let me try that again sure sure sorry and today's episode is brought to you by the concept wow let me try it again wake cecil up and cecil at first is sorry i did it again (laughs) let me try that again but if you god it's one of those evenings i think it's one of those evenings yeah yeah